We're doing a deep dive on Western Cage today, people. I wear the chains of my ignorance. The chains I forged in life. Link by link. Yard by yard. I am doomed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Uncaged, the Nick Cage film podcast in which my friend Ben Pollard... Wait, I'm Ben Pollard. <laughs> I'm also my own friend. I need to be at this I've point. been demoted from friend. You're just my colleague now. <laughs> You're a work friend, it feels like. That's a real power play. <laughs> <laughs> my friend Ben Pollard and some guy, some guy called Dan Fisher, who's also, for some reason, watching 100 Nick Cage films in 100 days. And today we're here to discuss... Actually, I'm gonna, I want to put off talking about this long, as long as I can because... It was, last night was a real s- slog for me watching this one, yeah. I'll be honest with I you. I was excited going into this on the basis that I knew it was shorter than the others and it felt like it went on forever. I'll admit that the experience I had of watching the, the film wasn't too gruelling in honesty, but it was just the, the time allocation in which to do it. The rule is that we have to watch a film every single day, but it wasn't until it was getting pretty late my end. I've managed to, within this quarantine, find finally a bit of something to do. I'm helping out my local venue, making some videos, then doing my bit. But the work took me to quite late last night. And then it was definitely time, usually, that I would go to bed. But nope, I had an obligation. I had to spend some nice festive time with the ghost of Nicolas Cage. And speaking of festive, let's get to the crux of the matter. We have sat through one hour and 17 minutes of A Christmas Carol, the movie. Yeah, it's interesting. It's A Christmas Carol, colon, the movie. Animated version of the Charles Dickens classic. This is a story that's been told so many times through so many mediums. And beginning this journey, I really didn't think that our friend Nicolas Cage is going to make us relive it, especially in May. <laughs> but here we are. This is what annoyed me the most, is that we're two days out from have just watching a Christmas film that <laughs> borrows heavily from this story. And then Nick's gone, well, I may as well take a minor role in this animated version of what I've already done. And minor role is not an understatement of fact. It almost made me feel nostalgic this for the days just over three minutes he was in this his voice was in this <laughs> it made me feel nostalgic almost for the days where he wasn't a lead role and we were having to really scrape the barrel for any sort of content about him but i don't know i've, I've got greedy and i've got used to that rhythm now at this point in honesty and uh i think uh, scraping the barrel would be a very generous way to describe this film yikes yeah because this is something that's been done over and over and over again and i just i don't see where this version has a place amongst all of the others. Because let's be honest, you're going to watch The Christmas Carol, you're going to watch The Muppets one. Of course, yeah, Yeah. which is already out at this point, right? It's around the same time. I just didn't understand that at all. Why would you bother? Absolutely brutal that Cage was like, yes, I'm involved in this amazing reimagining of this classic story, and then (laughs) Kermit and co. rock up (laughs) and just ruin his good time. On top of that, it was being made and directed by um, Jury Murakami, the guy who um, made The Snowman and When the Wind Blows. Oh, right, which is also classic. You're going into this thinking that this is going to be an incredible animated... This this is going to be amazing. Oh, my... It's just so dull. The best characters were the mice. Yeah, but even that was just this weird recurring motif just to engage a younger audience because it's it i feel like this was aimed at kids you know there's lots of attempts at humor throughout it but it just was so bleak i mean granted the story is quite bleak and the main character is thoroughly unlikable the thing that i found the most frustrating 
isn't necessarily with cage points. We'll get to that in a second. But this is a classic story that everybody knows. You know, it's a Charles Dickens classic. You don't go into that and change the story. Mm. Everyone knows that. So why is this the version where all of a sudden he gets this opportunity to get back with Belle at the end? Where's that coming from? This doesn't give enough back to the Christmas Carol in order to start just changing things. I mean, I, I'm not a fan of Christmas films to begin with, but this was fucking abysmal, Ben. Well, that's a great way to my next question before we really go into talking about this thing and Nick Cage just rolling it a little more. We, at this point, have been made to watch three Christmas films because of Nick in the space of just over a week. I mean, that's about, what, five, six hours of Christmas time we've spent now? Well, what have we had? We had A Christmas Carol, it's 2001, uh, the Family Man was the year 2000, and we had Trapped, Trapped in, in Paradise, Paradise from 1994. I'd love if you could rank them for me real quick. Uh, Trapped in Paradise, number one, Bill Furpo's legend. <laughs> then I'd, I'd say Family Man, and then Stone Last, A Christmas Carol. It was just fucking poor, wasn't it? It wasn't good. Bottom tier, wasn't it? Absolute bottom feeder. I'm probably about there. I actually have a bit of a soft spot for The Family Man. That's That film stayed in my head a little bit longer than Trapped in Paradise. Uh, oh, even if, you know, come on. The legend Bill Furpo. Yeah, I don't know, man. It just, they built up all this lore in it that they never explored. And I'm a sucker for that. Uh, And they kind of do the same thing in A Christmas Carol. Like, obviously, the story, I think it's moot to explain it, but old Tory man with too much money and no heart experiences an intense acid trip in which he is visited by. (laughs) <laughs> three demigods who show him <laughs> different realities. The spirits, the, there's the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas future. They are all unto godly in their powers. They are like so OP. How outrageous is it for, to win? For the ghost of Christmas present, they got Michael Gamble. I know. <laughs> and they had Kate Winslet playing Bell. Why is this, like, this is a good lineup of people that all signed on to make one of the worst Christmas movies I've ever seen. Yeah, on paper, fantastic. It just, one of the the biggest points for me is it just didn't feel Christmassy. That could be the no. time of year and the setting I watched it, but I didn't feel festive at any point in all No one thing. smiles throughout the entire film. I mean, I know it's supposed to be bleak, <laughs> but this is just, it's too much. After the Tiny Tim bit, I was like, that's it, they're going to kill off Tiny Tim. This is going to be, <laughs> Christmas is over. Yeah, that's it. Nick's going to kill Tim. Let's get into something that I do want to quickly talk about. Okay. We yesterday watched, was yesterday Captain Corelli's Mandolin? That's right. Yeah. So we theorised that um, the mandolin getting broken kind of broke Nick's time-travelling powers. Yeah. And there's a moment in this where he comes back. He's playing uh, Ebenezer Scrooge's uh, dead brother. Is that right? I think they were business associates. Jacob Marley. Yeah. So okay. Or as I was calling him, ghostwriter. Yeah. Oh, this is what I was going to bring up because if this is there's a bit where he's, he comes in. And he says, "You have no time to waste. Look how time has wasted me." Whoa. And I was thinking, is this because your mandolin's broken? And you can't travel anymore. Yeah, he's trapped in time. He's trapped just... as some sort of spirit of vengeance. <laughs> Is this the prequel to Ghost Rider? I mean, I had a very similar thought because he's literally <laughs> covered in chains. Yeah. And he's saying, it's like, I made these chains myself. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, link by link. Yard by yard, link by link. Ah, it's... <laughs> You probably had a similar thing at the beginning, off the back of Captain Corelli, where he's doing that dodgy Italian accent the whole way through it. I think he, I think someone drilled it as like, you are not doing accents anymore, so he just puts on a complete drone of a voice. This, this is an in- inherently very British story, and the, the setting, it's set in Camden in London, and all of the accents in it are like parody-esque British voices. Yeah. And I was terrible. I didn't know what role Cage is playing at all in this. 
Uh, I mean, every single male character in this looks a bit like a drawing of Nick Cage. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> uh, at, any, at any point, one of them is going to open their mouth and it's going to be Nick Cage doing uh, a proper British accent, Governor. <laughs> and I was not ready to deal with that. Oi, mister, are you me dad? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was waiting for it. But fortunately, he, for whatever reason, plays uh, Jacob Marley, who is an American ghost. But I've got a level with you here. And this really throws into the question what were you thinking i'm a bit tired today sorry uh, i think i think that's the right amount of enthusiasm for this what what were you thinking his i mean his enthusiasm for delivering his lines is very similar to that he just sort of i get he's doing a sort of ghosty voice how much of that was done with <laughs> effects in post-production i'm not too sure but man he just sounded like he was in bed recording those lines Literally, this could have been anyone yeah. And um, going into the, what you think, I think a lot of these people would have signed on knowing of the director from his work of The Snowman, thinking this is going to be a classic. Um, and I think that's where a lot of this falls apart. I imagine they must have kind of seen what's going on and the, the lack of any sort of script that makes sense or just, well, obviously it makes sense, but as far as actually exploring the characters, it just doesn't really bother. And I think at that point, there's just a complete lack of enthusiasm from any of these actors. It's just a shame. No, not not a single voice actor here. If you're doing a voice acting, you have to kind of exaggerate because that's all you have to offer. No, no one bothers. You'd have thought that Nick Cage playing a ghost, a cartoon ghost that is literally shackled with the regrets of his past would like pop off. You can imagine that. That sounds so good on paper. I'm not being funny, but if, if Vin Diesel can conquer the Iron Giant, then, you know, Nick Cage should be able to play three minutes of Jacob Marley. I know, man. And like... It was just such a letdown. And then, sure enough, that is the only time he's on screen. I watched it the whole way through. I had my fingers crossed for something, anything, another morsel that I might be able to pick the bones of. And <laughs> nothing, man. He is in. He is out. That was it. I watched afterwards to refresh myself. It was all of the Nick Cage moments on YouTube in this film. And it's, it's just over three minutes. Yikes. Uh, I, I, I rewatched it and just... Uh, fell again into a deep, deep hatred for this film. Yeah, it was just a shame. But I would like to talk about the the character he's playing a bit more. So Jake, Jacob Marley, one reason or another, is dead. We never really find out why, I don't think. Um, Probably one of these um, pneumonia shenanigans that uh, Scrooge likes to implement in here. Well, all through <laughs> this, we're like two of the main characters are Belle, who's a nurse, and Scrooge's an inevitable love interest, and uh, her doctor, in which she works with. Uh, but all through their, what, surgery, I guess you'd call it, there are just mice everywhere. And she's picking them up barehanded, popping them on her shoulder. I think it was a pretty unsanitary time. Oh, it was a different time, Ben. <laughs> and let, let's be honest, those mice were nothing but helpful. I I feel like they're the kind, the same breed of, I was about to say the same breed of mice from Ratatouille, but that was quite clearly a rat. Uh, the, <laughs> In, in hindsight to the title of that film. Pixar's Mousatouille. <laughs> I'd watch it. But you know what I mean? Like so, sometimes, sometimes rodents are helpful, is what I'm getting at. But that was annoying me. They were added in. They were effectively the minions of this movie. <laughs> but like the fact that they had an actual lasting impact on the narrative of the film and help is a story beat that these mice hang out and are anthropomorphic and do stuff. The two mice drive the story more than any character. Yeah. And that's infuriating. With with more expression, like if you want to get the tone of what's going on, just look at the mice. They're the only people doing it. 
it's just crap. Yeah. This is rubbish, Ben. This is honestly one of the... I hate Christmas films, and this has just come stone last out of the, <laughs> just all of the shite that I have seen in my life. A long line. I would like to talk a bit about Jacob Marley and how, in death, he has become so powerful. This man had the ability to astrally project his own likeness onto and into various tangible objects in the meat space. At one point, he turns himself into a door knocker and communicates to Scrooge. And, like, that is some powerful stuff he's got going on there, man. I was thinking the entire time, how much would it cost to get the face of Nicolas Cage as a door knocker? <laughs> Led me to some very interesting Googling, but uh, unfortunately, I'm, I'm not to the bottom of that mystery yet. I was essentially, I was trying to do any other than watch this film even at like an hour and a quarter long i took a break about half an hour in and watched the entire oasis documentary <laughs> instead of watching this and then just thought how much more fun it would have been if nicholas cage was in oasis <laughs> i'd been enjoying this project a whole lot more yeah i would have loved that i bet he's a big oasis fan i was reading up just yesterday a little about the, the man and how he's got a lot of friends in the the music world there's a an article that came up recently on the magazine metal hammer about nick cage being now that christopher lee of course has passed nick cage being the most metal yeah movie star uh, and he's got a lot of cool friends i mean his son do you know much about wesley cage he's in some sort of metal band isn't he he's in a couple black metal bands yeah very sick he is your like classic if you had to draw like a goth he looks like that like heavy eye makeup straight black hair vests spikes it was awesome. I bet Nick is stoked about that as well. Yeah, totally. I mean, in this interview, he goes on to say... Oh, I'm literally looking at a picture of them two together, and that's absolutely fantastic. It literally looks like... <laughs> the one I've brought up has literally said, despite all his rage, he's still the son of Nicolas Cage. But it's great. He's He just kind of looks like he's got like the long black hair down to like like halfway down his torso, stood next to Nick, who's wearing this like just just classic, almost like tweed jacket, you know, looking like he's fresh off of National Treasure, where his son, I, I really hope this is Kalau, but I have a feeling it's not going to be. Oh, that's so Wesley Cage is his eldest son that Nick had when he was in his early 20s from an old girlfriend. There's actually a great photo knocking around somewhere on the internet where... Cage famously does not get on with Wesley's mother at all, whose name completely escapes me right now. But there's a great photo, uh, which I will find and I will put in the Instagram carousel for this episode, where Wesley's just performed a gig with his band and he's got a full body corpse paint, war paint, is head head to toe like painted bright white with like black details on him, uh, and then his mum's one side and Cage is the other, and they have this amazing awkward family photo together. And it is that's amazing. So uncomfortable the fact that he is in the middle there, like <laughs> it's a hell of an image, man. What what a family. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. I I I can't get over the picture of them together. It's just too much. There's like a certain amount of a likeness in the jawline and the mouth, but it's just, the rest of it just looks like the, uh, oh, what was that, um, what band was it that sung Halo? Machine Head. No. Foo Fighters. No. Boston Manor. No. Beyonce. No, oh. He definitely doesn't look like Beyonce, but you you know that really old like. Bruv, I just gave you four. Well, Beyonce's not a band, is it? It's a lifestyle. And we're talking about like old metal band. It was someone like Soil or something, something like that. Too dirty for me. Yeah, some real like horrible, dirty, just gribbly metal band. 
The longer the bike chain, the better the song. What's your point about Halo? That's what he looks like. He looks like he looks like he could have been in that fucking <laughs> okay. rubbish band. Sick reference. Yeah, this is getting cut, isn't it? Fucking. <laughs> See ya. In an episode where we literally have to find anything else to talk about, we're still finding things to cut out because you don't know who Soil is. That's my fault. Yeah, sorry, I wasn't grabby yeah, enough. I can't. Be- I can't believe you've done me like this. <laughs> Uh, not a true Mudvayne fan. Who do you think is more proud of their son between Nicolas Cage and Billy Ray Cyrus? Oh, that's a difficult one. <laughs> so let me think. Well, I know that... Does Billy Ray Cyrus's kid... What's his son's name? Miley Cyrus's... Trace. Trace Cyrus. Trace Cyrus. Does he have... Because I know Nick Cage is a grandfather now to one of Wesley's children. So I think there's like... I can imagine Nick Cage as... I think he was described as being a terrific grandfather... Whereas, well, I imagine Nick, where he's already got that kind of link with the metal world. We know he loves it, so I think, I think, I think he must be stoked. Yeah, I reckon he really is. I think Billy Ray is just staring at his kid like, "What on earth have I done? What have I done here?" Yeah, he's got the two extremes of children. It must be a rough ride being Nick Cage's son. Yeah, right. All anyone would want to talk to you about is like, "Your dad is mad," and especially when he releases films like 2001's A Christmas Carol: Colon the Movie. Yeah, like, Daddy, come on. You dragged me to the premiere of this. <laughs> How old would it have been at that point? Um, let's see if we can find out because um, we've got to put some more meat on these bones. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> We're going hungry today. So Weston Coppola Cage is currently... Oh, he's the same age as me. Oh, well, he's a tiny bit older than me. He um, was born the day after Christmas. What a beautiful Christmas that would have been. Oh, I've, I've just found uh, his band. Okay. They're called Eyes of Noctum. Oh. Is that like a very metal sounding... Well, it looks like he's wearing some sort of wrist guards with spikes. Yeah. So I'm assuming this is quite metal. My guy. His mother, I've just found out, we're doing a deep dive on Western Cage today, people. His mother is Christina Fulton, who is an actress. Okay. Who I'm not that familiar with. So it looks like he's um, recently moved out of the metal world and decided to go into acting. Oh. Okay. But I, I can't go any further without clicking this link. Bear with me too much. I want to hear what this band sounds like. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Oh, hang on a minute. I mean, I'd, I'd go and see this. Sorry, you can finish your thought first. No, that's, there wasn't much more of a thought to that. It's when you think of, ex- of exactly how you think it would sound. Yeah. It's exactly that. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's it's that kind of like touching on black metal kind of... You know, everyone's kind of um, painted up. It's, that's very fun. I'm just reading up a little bit about Weston's mother and Nick Cage's baby mama. And she's uh, also got an IMDb page. She's got a filmography here. And she is starred in two films called Snake Eyes, one of which you and I have seen. <laughs> oh, no way. Let me see if I can figure out. It said she's down as playing Round Girl, but. I don't know if that's just a diss or, or what. Her last film was in the year 2000. She's also in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Very nice. As Vampire Girl, which of course we know was directed by Anki Francis. She plays Round Girl. Now, I don't know who that was. Do you think that's the girl that's meant to be like his girlfriend that holds up his lucky number seven? Oh, yeah, it must be. Because that would make... Yeah, it must be. And that's kind of funny because that's his... Well, not love interest. He's actually very rude to her and basically just gives gives her his card and says, like, call me and we'll have sex. And she goes, oh, great. Outrageous. 
So looking more into Weston, uh, Weston may be how we know him by, um, you know, by name at this point. But if you were to meet him at one of his gigs, you would know him as his stage name as Arcane. Whoa, sick. <laughs> Arcane Cage. <laughs> that sounds like his gamer tag. Yeah, very sick. Apparently they, they all had different um, demon names, which is very cool. I'm stoked. <laughs> Uh, apparently he chose that because he felt misunderstood and yet enigmatic and this guy is my <laughs> age and he is on his third wife like father like son yeah the apple doesn't fall far from cage's mouth but uh <laughs> hey listen here's some here's some great news to round off talking about western and something to get really excited for here we're gonna meet him in the not too distant future as he stars in drive angry joe and lord of war Oh, yeah, I was aware that he was in Lord of War, actually. Oh, it's sad to read that supposedly his former stepmother, Lisa Marie Presley, was reported to have trouble interacting with him. I guess she... Uh... That doesn't fucking surprise me at all. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> She's Elvis's literal daughter. She's used to people wearing big sparkly cloaks. And then this little goth comes home. Come on. Sick. His son's called Lucian. Very cool. <laughs> right, that's enough talking about uh, Western. We're, yeah, let, let's 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 move on. We're going to meet him very soon, and then I'm I'm looking forward to get to know him a bit more. His uh, me and his dad aren't on great terms, but I don't hold a grudge. Let's talk a bit more about his father and what we can expect from him in the near future, shall we? Well, let's. We're, we're going to be moving on a bit later today to be watching the film Wind Talkers. Okay. We normally do this after a round of cage match, but I would go as far as to say that it's void. He's today already dead. Because it's not fair. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 just, I, I just don't want to talk about it. It's just bad. He's got some powerful, otherworldly spectral powers, but I feel like that moves the competition to a realm that it's not not really that appropriate. We'll move on to talking about Wind Talkers in a moment, but there is something that I do require before we get to this <laughs> Oh, <program. laughs> no. There is something um, I am absolutely insisting you go first on here. I would like to. And I... No, 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 Ben. You you just uh, sit down and stay comfortable <laughs> while I ask you. I plead with you. I beg of you, Ben. Will you be nice to Nikki? Um... <sighs> that silence says it all. I will say that it's a shame that Cage didn't play Scrooge in this because the cartoon they've made for Ebenezer Scrooge looks like Nick Cage with a rat tail. Yeah. It was a perfect waste. But I would like to be nice to Nick Cage, well, Jacob Marley via Nick Cage and say that in this, in the afterlife, he is rolling deep with some powerful demigod-like figures that have all sorts of crazy powers. And he is basically working for them as a messenger, it would seem. But he's keeping good company even in the afterlife. The <laughs> Ghost of Present was basically just like a big sugar daddy guy, this big fat jolly guy covered in gold who's like, ooh, touch my robe. <laughs> yeah, it did seem very weird when he kind of goes off and he's got all of his mates all bound by the same chains. I was like, this is a fucking cool gang. Yeah, man. I didn't take much from this film as far as morals. I would honestly just think, and again, this is probably the miser in me, the same as I felt with a family man. Just leave him alone. <laughs> but if, if, every, everyone just seems to know this guy as a complete arsehole. Stop spending time with him. Yeah. After a while, it's your own fault because you know what you're getting yourself in for. Yeah. Don't try and change someone. He doesn't want to be changed. Leave him with his money. You know he hates people caroling outside of his windows. Don't be surprised when he throws some three freezing water over your crippled son. Yeah. Not a great move, obviously, but like, don't say you didn't expect it. I mean, it's kind of a dick move, but I mean, yeah, if you're going to put your son in danger by caroling outside of someone's house that you know is prone to these outbursts, 
it's not like this is a new trait for him. Yeah, no one seems shocked. They just seemed like, oh, well, you know, that, that was always going to happen. Like, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm on Scrooge's side, but... I'm on Scrooge's side. <laughs> I don't think that he needed to be changed. I think just let him let him collect his money. Just let him get on with it. You don't have to bother him. You don't bother him, he won't bother you. It's a perfect relationship. I'm hoping we get to keep some better company when we move on later today to watch Wind Talkers. I don't know anything about this film. Presumably he can talk to the wind in it well that sounds like more than he's done for the last two days he spoke like wind in this one you'll be pleased to know that we're back to the two hour 14 mark oh no oh that's in an action drama and war film from 2002 that's genuinely really bummed me out hearing that that's, that's a day ruiner isn't oh it? my god and it's but we're going back to one of our favorite directors it's john woo okay all right okay <laughs> I see you, Woo. <laughs> so this this film, two U.S. Marines in World War II are assigned to protect uh, Navajo Marines who use their native language as an unbreakable radio cipher. Oh, God, this sounds like it's going to be boring. Oh, God, what horrible accent is Nick Cage going to choose for this one? <laughs> I'll, I'll give you the tagline, mate. Yes, please. The Navajo have the code. Protect the code at all costs. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like fucking bin bags, mate. Oh, God. I don't want to watch this. Tough shit. Oh, hang on. We've got a returning role from uh, Peter Stormer. He's not let us down yet. Okay, yeah. We've got uh, uh, Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, this this sounds like it's going to be rubbish. Yep, it sounds like it's going to be long and tedious, but we're going to watch it all the same because... The taglines, the other taglines they've used for this. Honor was their code. America has the last word. Oh, God. Really, they used that as a tagline. <laughs> America has the last word was the tagline, which is absolutely brilliant. Fucking hell. And my personal favourite tagline that you can use to big up your own film from the director of Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't trust this film enough without letting people know that someone had made something. It's, hang on, is Mission Impossible 2 credible? I have no idea. Actually, I'm, I'm going to say, yeah, it's got Limp Bizkit on the soundtrack. We'll wait for season four, Cruise Control, to find out. Oh, fuck off. I'm going. I'm Bye, done. everyone. I'm